Welcome back to the Roanoke Weekly for March 6th. This is Brad. I'm here with Ariel and Xavier. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. Yeah, got my doing great. Juice, my water. <laughs> yeah. He's so great. here with your green juice. He's got like, that man, green. It's so green. Too. It is a vibrant juice. It's and I just finished my coffee, so we're about to be like yeah, it's very gingery. ready to talk <laughs> Yes. at a rapid vo- volume and pace. Yes. <laughs> How about you, Brad? Uh, I still have a small child at home. I'm not ready and raring to go anymore. These days. Mm. Um, but uh, I kind of uh, uh, am intrigued to know your guys' thoughts on this first story, which is uh, the police chief has apologized for his statements last time um, that we talked about, about rape and his uh, victim-blaming uh, mm-hmm. contents there. And so... He has said, quote, I was attempting to convey information gained from our investigations as to how citizens can best protect themselves, that he believes that he failed to convey this information to the public in a manner that was sensitive to victims of rape and sexual assault, to which I say, yes, yes, you you did. Right. Yeah, I mean, it became a really big story. I saw it in um, statewide publications as well that people were protesting and calling for his resignation and things of that nature. Just basically that he was clear. It was clear that he was not looking out for all citizens of of Roanoke um, in the way that he blamed the victims. Um, So just, you know, almost like a throwaway statement. And Mm -hmm. um, it took city council people and the citizens of Roanoke to stand up and say, Hey, this was like really, really wrong and very backward thinking for him to then finally, uh, apologize. So it's a, it's a much bigger story than certainly he would have ever thought it (laughs) would have been. And that's what happens. Yeah. I think it's like another case of like somebody in power that is so far removed from, you know, the surface level of regular people. And you know, you just you just say stuff because you're not in the, you're not in the midst of what's really happening and how other people feel. Um, so you Absolutely. just say things without thinking, and then you have to come back, and your publicist has to make an apology for you. Right. So, well, I think he he probably thought this was very like rote data information, mm-hmm. and just was doing a little bit of editorializing on his own, and that was where it all fell apart. Was when he offered this like what he thought was, you know something to say to protect yourself, but really it was just the opposite of what should have been said in the moment. And uh, hopefully everybody learned a lot in this situation, but it does call to light the fact that if somebody in that position of power who has the ability to inform citizens and educate citizens on how to be a safer community, the approach he took was the from completely the wrong side. So hopefully there will be some sort of reper- like repercussion there that will... Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard, I think, I don't want to give him a pass, but it's a very common belief, I think, in his, in that world. I mean, you're going to, and I think it shows in some ways for all of us when we spend a certain time in a certain space, we come to think in the way that people in that space think. And so, you know, when you spend all your time around folks that are thinking this way, you're going to wind up thinking exactly. that way as well. Uh, and so I think that it's very, I mean, some of the Facebook comments I saw, my goodness, were just uh, Ooh, never awful. never read the comments yeah. unless you want to really oh, but, be sad. But and I think that this goes to show, and I hope that this can be an educational opportunity for him, um, because there are, I mean, like 
there are still very much organizations out there that focus just on this kind of stuff that he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And it would be, um, I can see how he would be like, this is what needs to be said. But at the same time, that's not what needs to be said. And you need to, we need to focus on different things in this space. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll continue to update if things happen based on this story, but, um, I guess we should move along. Yes, as with everything, you hope it's an opportunity to improve moving forward. So, uh, in a story that uh, I am less than thrilled about, um, of course, but other people I are probably it. excited I about. I love it. Uh, me too. <laughs> I love it. Um, I will share with great disappointment that dockless scooters are coming to Roanoke. Okay, uh, so I'm excited about this. I did it for like a whole this. day in DC. <laughs> You have one for a whole day yes. in DC? So, okay, I've never ridden one, but I've been visiting places yeah. that have them. And, dude, they look so silly, but they're so cool. Yeah, it's, it's fun. And it's so cheap to be able to use them. And you just, like, you just sit it down. So, for anybody who doesn't know, <laughs> dockless scooters, are, they're like the, the Razor scooters you had as a kid, but electronic, solar-powered. They Up can to, like, 15 miles Yeah, an they hour. can cruise, and you can just pick them up off the street. They huh. don't have a dock, so you can just find one via your app. You can you pay, like, a dollar to start it and 15 cents per minute to use it, and then when you're done, you just leave it. Just <laughs> you drop just, it. You it's just the like it's put it on, <laughs> on the sidewalk. Um, I don't know if they come with, it. like, a time limit, though, like, for how long. I don't think it said that there was a time limit. There are some restrictions on where you can ride them. Mm. Like they want them not on the sidewalk and they're thinking about greenway use and how that might be troublesome because of how fast they go. <laughs> um, but some people on city council are advocating for them to be able to be used in the greenway so they can be used as commuting they're devices. They're going to be used on the greenway oh, regardless. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Cause it's going to be so fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They're a really cool way to get around a town um, and, for people who are not comfortable riding a bike around the city, it's a good alternative. <laughs> and now your thoughts? Have we changed your mind, Brad? I have with not our, changed my our mind. enthusiasm. So I have spent a lot of the past year thinking about this because in the world that I occupy in a workspace, this has been a big deal for the past year. And there's all kinds of complications to it. Yes, there are all kinds of potential upsides in terms of mobility, particularly for communities that struggle with that. Uh, that being said, this is probably not the answer to folks that are in Northwest and Southeast and need a ride to work. This is probably not yeah. a good answer for them on the. No. Um, and the bigger problem in my mind is, um, so uh, they estimate somewhere in the range of one mortality for every million miles of bike share use. That number appears to be somewhere upwards of 30 for uh, these scooters. And so there's a real danger involved here, particularly because there's like, they tell you to wear a helmet, but you like, no one is judging you if you, I mean, you're probably being judged if you're wearing a helmet. Right. Um, I see people riding the Zagster bikes all the time without helmets too. I mean, that's, I think the thing about these like shared, like uh, wheeled things is that typically you're using them. Like when you're out and about doing, you're not going to have a helmet just with I just, you? I can't see myself riding a bike with a helmet. Really? A no. bike? Oh, wow. I, it sounds crazy. I just can't see myself, like, strapping on a helmet. Like, Yeah, I mean, I ride a, I wear a helmet with a bike because I've crashed before, so I have yeah. a lot of, you know. It's smart, It's and it sounds but crazy with a scooter, for me to I say can't that, imagine. I just can't see myself, like, putting on a helmet to ride my bike. Yeah. 
Well, well and then the second big issue is just that you're going to go downtown and you're going to see these things just littered all over downtown. Um, and whether or not that's a good thing is a question to be asked as well. Like, yeah, I think that's the cool part. Yeah. <laughs> It shows that people are like out and about and yeah. things. I don't know. I think I mean, that's fine. It makes it a city. When there's just a scooter sitting on the sidewalk there that everybody has to walk around, it's not. I, well, people <laughs> can like move them to they're propped up against something or something. But yeah, I mean, I was in Richmond and there were some places with scooters and some places with not, mm-hmm. and it didn't bother me. It looked, I mean, sometimes I'd be like, oh, someone left their scooter. And they'd be like, oh, wait, no, that's one of those cool scooter share things. Right. Neat. If anyone anyway. would like to join me in my silent protest <laughs> of scooters, which I will not be taking any further than this podcast, you can join me as we silently judge scooters as they come into town. If anyone would like to join me in my scooter parade when they launch, I'll be scooting around. Actually, I, I don't know if I will use it, but I'm, I'm excited to see that we're jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, I guess from the angle of our market is big enough that this can come here, that's a good thing. I was surprised when I saw it, honestly. And especially yeah. that I saw that the Lime company reached out to us, which, like, we didn't have to fight for it, which is cool, because usually Roanoke is, like, jumping up and down with their hand in the air, like, what about mm. us? But this time the company was like, you guys seem like a good spot for this. I wonder how much of that is because if people are using Lime and Roanoke, when they go to D.C., they're more likely to use a right. Lime than a bird. Oh, uh, Lime so is trying a, to It's a marketing the... ploy, and it's a loss leader in some ways. Um, oh, interesting. Smart. Yeah. All right. All right. Well. How I do you mean, feel about playgrounds, Brad? I am a big <laughs> fan of playgrounds. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. We've made him happy. My daughter is just starting to enjoy playgrounds, and it's a pretty cool thing to go uh, and watch her go down a slide at this point, so. Um, I am very happy about this uh, this new playground coming in Northwest that's going to be located between where the new library is going in at uh, on the Goodwill premises and Forest Park. Um, and it sounds like it's going to be quite a big thing uh, with some innovative features to it. And uh, that, if I'm not mistaken, the park that's there doesn't have a playground at this point. The, um, no. Yeah. It, it, well, it has two swings. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and that's it's, it. I mean, it's like a, a basketball court. That's terrible. Um, there's a a shack I want to call it, like like I guess it's supposed to be a gazebo, um, and then there's like a rundown baseball field mm-hmm. that people go and play soccer. That part, this is like huge, like really, really, really huge. The article said it's going to be the nicest park in. I mean, it's going to be like by and far really the nicest be. park in Roanoke. Absolutely, there's it, so it, many kids that. It said a thousand kids oh, can yeah. walk to that playground. Yeah, I mean, you got a whole like, there's a more probably more than a thousand will end up there because you. Oh, got absolutely! It, That's just who can walk. Just there. who can walk yeah. there? Yeah. I think about all the kids that go to like the new countryside park, and how many people from across town just go to that part. I absolutely love it. What I love too that that says in there that swings were the biggest thing that folks asked for uh-huh. when they asked them what they wanted, and so there's going to be a bunch of swings. And adaptive equipment, too, mm-hmm. for children with disabilities, mm-hmm. so everybody can use the park. I mean, let's be honest here. Um, I don't know if you guys know Sherry Hartman, but she's incredible. So I do know Sherry. She is another, incredible. Another rung on her incredibleness scale. And so yeah. She's, yeah. She's the, uh, the president-elect of the Kiwanis Club that's helping get this, or, like, provided the funding. Mm-hmm. So just, yeah. It's a 
huge endeavor and it's going to really, really positively impact the neighborhood. All right, guys, I want you to watch this segue that I'm about to make right here, okay? Get ready. That this was a, a really exciting in some ways because it's a massive fundraising thing. This club raises less than $1,000 a year on average, and this is a $400,000 project. Um, but I was a little disappointed, I have to confess, because this week there were a number of news articles that came out about donations that were great in the fact that people were donating and doing things, but were just a little underwhelming in the fact that this is news in the area. Uh, and so those include Chip getting a van, um, which is great. Chip absolutely needs a van, but the fact that a, a fifteen twenty thousand dollars donation is worthy of a whole news article in Roanoke speaks to the problem with fundraising in Roanoke and the problem with uh, why we can't seem to do better with some things. And so hmm. I just want to say, great work, but this needs to become so common that there are not news articles about these kind of things happening. Right. That was a long but great segue, Brad. <laughs> we're still, we're still. I feel like we just ended the segue portion, so now let's talk about the story. <laughs> yeah, so there's two. We, we were looking at two articles. One about Chip's new donated van to get uh, Chip families and children to appointments and things like that. Um, that's that's one thing. And then there was another story about a group uh, from Crunch Gym that did a big like activity where they donated ton like hundreds of pounds of food and products mm-hmm. um to a veterans to taps veterans program so this is just like i think you know on the flip side the the scale of especially that second article where individuals were donating all of this is like it's 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 very nice to see that stuff happen and i think the news likes to have these positive things in it when it also has all the sad stuff that happens in the community. So it's nice to read, but I I agree that this should be very commonplace at this point, but we all got to do what we can. I mean, you know, so Chip was donated the van by the Community Foundation of Western Virginia, which has assets close to 60 million. Um, And so the fact that we're celebrating this so highly speaks to me that there needs to be better investments in the area. And then uh, you're right that this crunch gym thing is actually quite cool, but it needs to be the kind of thing that is happening all the time. This kind of thing should be happening every day Mm -hmm. in Roanoke and is happening a lot more and not getting this kind of recognition. Um, Yeah, like the Cranksgiving thing that Downshift did mm -hmm. and that stuff where where individuals get together and and kind of coalesce around a fundraising or donation movement. Um, And that does happen a lot and doesn't get uh, glorified in the news, but... Yeah, it's nice to see people doing these things. But yeah, the first story is a little bit like, okay, yeah, maybe they should have gotten a fleet of vans. But I don't know the ins and outs of the organization that donated it. So anyway. So I will just get off my high horse and say (laughs) that there's money in this area. It just needs to move better. So let's do better as a region, supporting the cool initiatives that are happening in the area. And CHIP is a great one if you want to start there. I happen to know there's this great organization called the Humble Hustle that will welcome any kind of cool donations that you want to send Appreciate that. That was, that was a good segue. <laughs> Speaking good. of, I think uh, you know, you'll probably want to come out to Reggae Fest coming up. Yes, that, please so. come out to that. June 1st, Wasina so. Park. Oh, nice. Food trucks, 
that just popped up on my Facebook, so Did it's it? definitely getting some traction. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's food trucks the number one selling point. Yeah, food uh-huh. trucks, vans. People love food trucks and scooters, Brad. I hate food trucks. Okay, you hate food trucks. I look at them. I'm like, mm, food poisoning. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> that is such an extreme reaction. Fire. <laughs> I'm not. Seriously. It's not any particular food truck. It's just everywhere. I mean, it's the same thing. Like every time I go into a kitchen at a restaurant, I'm like, "Oh God, I'm never eating here again." <laughs> like I just don't want to know. And with a food truck, it's right there in front of you. Oh, I boy. love food trucks. Me too. And I've never had any health issues Me based either. in them. Um, yeah. It's All like right. Fish at McDonald's. I ain't eating that. Wow. <laughs> You have some feelings, sub podcasts, Brad's <laughs> feelings on things. <laughs> um, Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, all right. Moving on. More money. More big money. More big money. Yes. So um, this was interesting because it's a bigger partnership. So Carillion, uh, the Virginia Tech, UVA, and Innova have all partnered to get a $23 million uh, grant from the National Institutes of Health to really try and advance the pace at which discoveries that happen in those institutions get into real physicians' practices. So it's an interesting thing, a lot of money. I think uh, a significant portion of that will probably come into Roanoke, which is always a nice thing. But um, Yeah, we have all these new and not so new, but more, you know, the labs are getting built and we've got new researchers coming in. But I think what what this article spoke to was how tricky it is sometimes to get things out of the lab and into the practice without just a lot of funding and sort of that injection of capital that can vault it from one world into another world. Um, and that this sort of all these universities coming together, it's a, it's a very big collaborative effort because everybody recognizes the importance of it. And it's not like people, you know, being greedy and dealing it into their their budget, but really saying like anything we can do to spread this information to get this data and research out there is good for the community at large. Yeah. It's so exciting. way to go, everybody. <laughs> way to work together. Yeah, way to be super smart and hopefully heal the opioid crisis. It's one thing they said they're going to focus on in the article. It needs it. It needs it. Um, no way to segue this, honestly. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, we should write. We should script out our segues. We should, but we don't have that much time in our no, lives. Come on no. now. Um, this is a. I find this to be a really interesting story and kind of sad on some levels. That um, Woodson uh, Honda has been bought by a Chesapeake company. Um, Priority Autos. Um, Priority is looking to build a new store and add to their service department. And the, really, at the moment, they're just looking to feel out the market here first. Uh, it's a bigger chain. I think they have. I think it's at four different locations at this point, or four different markets that they serve. Uh, but it's just kind of sad to me. This was a company in Woodson Honda that had been started in the 20s or 30s, um, and is now a family business that's being sold. And um, Kudos to them for making it last that long, mm-hmm. but it is, um, it's always just a little bit with a tinge of sadness that you see a long-time business leave the area. Yeah. I know I've, I've heard of priority. Pri- I've heard of priority when I was living in Norfolk. That's like a big, okay. that's where most of everybody has, you see it on the license plate. 
Mm. But um, yeah, my my cousin got her first car from Woodson. Mm. So we appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> um, thanks for being here, yeah. Woodson. Definitely grew up. I mean, I went to Northside, so I see it it's getting out of school, going to school. You see that a lot. So yeah, it's interesting. You know, family, long-standing family businesses have a special place in my heart because my family owns a business in North Carolina, and um, after you know, after certain generations finish their duties there, sometimes there is a there's a a big question of do we continue doing this as a family-owned business? Do we sell? Do we change the way the leadership is structured? So I'm happy to see that you know there will probably be more jobs in the area once they come in eventually mm-hmm. when they open new sales locations and things like that. So I think it's probably a good thing for Roanoke, though, yes, like family-owned business, the mom-and-pop shop sort of vibe is like it's really special, especially in a place like Roanoke. And um, so I think I feel just, you know, the same thankful that they lasted so long as a family business and glad that some, some jobs are going to be staying here and hopefully growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll end, uh, this week's news with, um, I think someone that we all, uh, like seeing getting some recognition here in the form of our vice mayor, Joe Cobb is going to be honored by equality Virginia as one of the seven recipients of their uh, kind of awards this year just for support of the LGBT community in the state. So, um, Go Joe Cobb. Yeah, we love you, Joe. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, so well-deserved. Absolutely. That's he has just... made major strides, Absolutely. sacrificed a lot, done a lot. I can't clap my hands enough. <laughs> well, I think it's great because you've seen him, you see him run and then – He's still just as evolved now as when he oh. was running, which is, I think, I don't know how he has the energy for it. Deeply involved. Like, yeah. For sure. Though yeah. it, he's definitely one person I can say, like, everything he talked about, he's done. Yeah. Um, or at least has tried to. And you, Sitting down with people, Facebook messaging people to, to do meetings, like, he's definitely made it happen. Yeah, that's goals for any sort of elected official is just truly authenticity, like so much compassion for the community and it's also just at a like meta level it's really great to see our city recognized at the state level for something this progressive Uh and forward thinking and so i'm just thrilled about that and very thankful to vice mayor cobb thanks man yeah um i will do a little thing here that i didn't include in our list but um Ooh, a surprise i didn't think about it until this very moment but um uh, we don't often talk about uh, gun violence on this show. Um, we know it's an issue, but it's not something that we feel particularly comfortable talking about because we don't really know any answers. But there are some folks on city council, including Joe, that are looking to have a bigger conversation about that. And so if you're interested in being part of that conversation, he is looking for folks that are interested. And so please reach out to Joe or... Um, maybe one of your other city council members. Yeah, I know Michelle so. Dykstra was looking for people yeah. as well. So if you know either of them, or you can just reach out on their public Facebooks to get involved in the conversation. Yeah. Well. Okay. Do you guys want to do our spotlights? Let's do it. This time we actually thought about it beforehand <laughs> and didn't forget. <laughs> so they're going to be the same as always, but at least we thought about it before. Brad, kick us off. All right. Well, I want to give uh, uh, our business shout out of the week uh, spotlight to Roanoke Spanish. Um, 
which is a, a, a small uh, translation interpretation firm here that also does some really cool educational things. So you can come here to the CoLab on Fridays and participate in Spanish classes and, and just like, have a lot of fun learning how to talk in Spanish. They also have stuff for young age kids, which is really cool for, I think, age maybe two and up. Um, Elda can correct me on that if I'm wrong, but um, really cool for that. Um, but yeah, just really uh, a neat firm, um, and Elda does a lot of community work as well. And so, a uh, big shout out for them and the work that yeah. they continue to do. Small but mighty. I mean, a very boutique sort of agency. Like I know, I don't know if she's still doing this, but and probably she is. But she was teaching medical Spanish classes for the hospital mm-hmm. or the research center. I'm not sure which, but just like very niche, very important Spanish language learning. Uh, classes and also very community driven. So big round of applause for the work Elda's done over the past five or so years that her yeah. business has been uh, in in Roanoke. Food? So um, this week's food spotlight is Bernard's Gastro Pub or just Bernard's. Um, it's on Jefferson Street. I went there about two weeks ago and I had the chicken tenders, and I had fried pickles, and I had Rockefeller oysters. And they have some of the best oysters um, for what I've tried around Roanoke. Um, Are Rockefeller re- oysters fried? No, they're like, um, it's like the same as an oyster, but it's like with spinach on it. Oh. So it's like, like like done up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Really, really cool. Um, and they said, everybody I've talked to said that they have, like, some of the best mussels around. I didn't um, know they had seafood. That's interesting. Yeah, very, very good seafood. Uh, I was very pleased with the customer service. It's a wife and a, it's a husband and a wife that own it. Um, they're very personable. Um, the drinks are good. Second best chicken tenders I've had besides Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. That's good so, to know, too. Yes. Uh, what's the price point? Um, like average for what you would expect in that kind of establishment, or yeah, definitely, but yeah, definitely reasonable. Okay, like I would go there for lunch at any cool. time. Yeah, lunch, awesome. dinner. They're pretty new, so they're new for those who yeah. haven't checked it out. Yeah. Now you have a reason to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm stuck on this oysters Rockefeller thing. Yeah, because I'm looking it up, and it, it literally is. It's just like. They're oysters, but they're fancy oysters. Yeah, and so fancy. How do you make oysters fancy? You put the the name Rockefeller after <laughs> them. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oysters are delicious. They're good, though. They're really good. Well, I trust you since you were in Norfolk for a while. I yeah. You know some seafood, well, see, that's so. the thing. I I just now started eating seafood within like the past like six months. Yeah. I've been allergic well, to it. Never mind that I take that. Yeah. yeah. I've been allergic to it all my life. And then I went to mm-hmm. my allergist um, and Dr. Fame. And they did my test, and I didn't react uh, to shellfish. And so that day I was like, I'm going to eat shrimp. <laughs> and I just went crazy. All my friends know, like, I eat shellfish all the time now. Nice. Because I just haven't had it for so long. <laughs> so I thought I was allergic to shellfish for a while, too. Not shrimp, but um, some others. But I think it's just scallops because yeah. I can eat oysters no problem now. But it's been recently that yeah. I've started eating them, and they're fantastic. Yeah. So I'm really happy to not be allergic to them. 
Yeah. She doesn't I'm like sad. any of these things. Oh, wait, oh, just, who? Is this a surprise? Who, who, what do you eat them with? How do you eat them? Just raw. I just like raw. raw. With lemon and hot sauce. No, no uh, horseradish, cracker. Mm-hmm. I was hoping you guys were going to make me hungry. and I'm Fried oysters are good, too. from it. Yeah. Fried oysters are good. It's still slimy, but... So delicious. Hard okay. Pass. Okay. I mean, yeah, you you like them or you don't, but um, for right. the arts and culture segment, I wanted to talk quickly about a gallery in Salem called Olin Hall Gallery. Uh, this uh, I've never, I haven't personally been, but I have been referred there a number of times, and I've seen things pass on social media that are super interesting. They feature everything from local student artists to internationally recognized artists in a, uh, the gallery in Salem. And they have um, really convenient hours to go check it out and lots of really interesting shows, all contemporary art. And it's just right down the road in Salem. So if you haven't been, go, you know, feast your eyes on some art. Check it out. Hmm. Very interesting. Is it this is part of Roanoke College? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. The, uh, the small college I went to had an Olin Hall as well. I'm wondering who, this, who these Olins are that fund buildings. Oh. And, at small colleges. The Olins. Thanks, guys. for. Very good. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Yes, this thanks for fun. dealing with my curmudgeonly ways on this Wednesday. <laughs> but, um, it's okay. It gives us something to uh, fight about. We don't typically fight on this podcast, so <laughs> we can fight about scooters and oysters all day long. Some friendly fire here. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Please give us a rating and review wherever you listen to this. Uh, and if you want to hear more about what I don't like, then you can tune in next week or you can <laughs> hear uh, what Ariel and Xavier like, which is probably much more interesting. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Sean. Thanks. <laughs>